Hi, and welcome to another edition of Menopause Buddies. Today I'm joined by Jan. Jan is based in Dublin and she works in HR. Hi, Jan. Hi, Annie. How are you? Good to I'm talk very, to you today. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Likewise. Um, Jan, now would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? No problem at all. So my name is Jan Glynn. I'm based in Dublin, uh, born and raised in Ireland. I have just gone 48 years old, almost 48 years in one week. Um, I work in Happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Um, I work in HR and I've worked in HR for over 24 years now. I'm married. I have one daughter who's just gone 11 as well. Um, I work in a busy job, um, busy life at home uh, with my basically being taxi to my daughter when I'm not in work. And yeah, um, started on my menopause journey about five and a half years ago now um, in perimenopause. So great to be here today to talk a little bit more about that. Great. Thanks, Jan. And 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 you said you're on your menopause journey. Now, <laughs> how did that happen? I, I mean, I know from the conversations I've had, sometimes we don't work out for quite a while what it is that when perimenopause strikes. And I just wondered, you know, how did you discover it? What, what's been your symptoms and what are you doing about it? I think it, it was, it kind of happened at a, at a, there was two things happened in my life at the same time. So I think I started on my perimenopause journey when I was in my early 40s, like possibly 41, 42. And I, I didn't know what it was at that stage. Uh, I was starting to get symptoms, but again, wasn't really clued in, didn't know about perimenopause. At the same time, I had a, a lady that I worked with. She was a consultant working with our company and she'd gone through a very difficult uh, time in her life. She'd had breast cancer, et cetera. And she'd, you know, she'd, she'd come through the other side, which was great. And at the same time, she recommended to me, she said, have you got yourself a good gynecologist? And I looked at her and said, nope, never thought of it. Why would I need a gynecologist? I have a GP. And she said, I'm telling you, if you don't, if you do one thing for yourself this week, she said, here's the number of the lady I use. She's brilliant. Get ring and make an appointment with her and just get a checkup. So I got the recommendation for um, the consultants that I'm still with now. I'm so lucky to be on her, to be a, uh, one of her patients because her wait list is incredibly long at this stage. And I know my sister's trying to get in with her. So when I went with her, she started talking to me. I was chatting to her about it. As I said, the early stages, I was having some trouble with my periods. They were a bit erratic very, very heavy, then, you know, they might disappear for a month or two. And I'd always been very, very regular in my cycle, starting to get, you know, maybe a little bit more fatigued and early stages of it. So she talked about perimenopause. So my, I spoke to my GP and who was also really, really good. My GP was very, very good, but did the blood test. But as I know now, when you're in perimenopause, blood tests don't really show a whole lot because your hormones are really all over the place. Mm. So it was really through kind of the first couple of years attending Dr. Croon and, you know, working through um, the symptoms that we we did kind of feel at that point that I was cert- certainly at the early stages of perimenopause. So that's kind of how I, so I was about 42 at that stage when I, I'm one of my 48 now. So I was about 43 when I went on HRT the first time at the recommendation of my gynecologist. Oh, right. Okay. And did that, did that settle down the symptoms? It's interesting because I went on a pill first, a HRT pill, kind of like a contraceptive, like the contraceptive pill. We tried that first. Um, and I've always been hit and miss with the pill. I've been on the pill for a long time before, obviously, menopause. But I would get to a point where after a year or two on it, it would just start disagreeing with me and it it wasn't really working. So she put me on a HRT pill initially and I got the coil inserted 
Um, and then the first time I got the coil inserted, it, also that didn't work too. I just felt really, it just, it, it was all a bit all over the place. Um, so we took the coil out for about six months and I tried a patch HRT as well. So we kind of had a mix and match. We were trying different things for the first, I'd say, six months to a year. And then um, about four years ago, we realized that the, the patches weren't working. It was, a t- it was for every 48 hours, they had to be changed. And I just wasn't feeling the benefits of it. I was still getting and I, I really bad menopause symptoms like the anxiety, the brain fog, the headaches, the fatigue and the mood swings. It, it was just horrific. So at that stage, we went back to the Morena coil and we went on to the HRT gel. And I think that combination has certainly worked. And I haven't looked back since. All that's happened since then is I go for my yearly checkups and I um, have upped my dosage of HRT according to, you know, as if, if I need, the, if the symptoms are, are getting too bad, she will. I'm at four pumps a day now on the HRT and I still have the coil in. So, all right. So that so that's working well for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Good. You still get the symptoms and there's no there's no magic answer to it. And I, I, you know, when I went through the checklist first with my my gynecologist and, you know, I was doing, I was starting to read up a little bit about perimenopause. You know, you get those checklists and I just seemed to check every box, I, the insomnia, the night sweats. The only thing I actually never got, and I'm touching wood when I say this here because I've been blessed, I never had the hot flashes, but you do get the temperature increase at night. I was getting the night sweats, the insomnia, the bladder issues. The anxiety was really the big one for me though. You know, somebody described it. I was on a, actually a seminar last night about menopause because I still like to try and keep educating myself. And as somebody described it as, it's like you get into your car and all of a sudden you don't know how to drive your car anymore. Something you've done for years. It's not something, it's not just stressing about, I have to get the shopping in or I have to collect the kids. It's it's an anxiety that takes over and you don't feel it coming and it hits you like a punch and you just start crying uncontrollably. Or all, the worst was actually the rage where you'd walk in to the house in the evening and this red mist would descend that had never been there before. And that was probably one of the scariest things for me. Yes. Yeah, it's, it is scary because you feel like you have no control, don't you? Exactly. Um, this thing almost takes over. It's like having an yes. alien invade you. Yeah. And, and it's very difficult to explain it to somebody, you know, like I said, I, yeah. my husband and my daughter, I am lucky that my mum went through similar. She went through early menopause as well. Now, HRT hadn't evolved. She was on patches, too. But she said it was life changing because I do remember my mum and we we'd be tiptoeing around the house for fear that the, the temper would flare. And she told me afterwards, I couldn't control that. But until you're actually going through it, you don't realise how bad it can get and that was one of the scariest symptoms for me now I have to say yeah and it's it, sadly it's the collateral damage as well isn't it yes it's those around yeah. you and you feel so bad but they don't quite understand exactly. that it's not you yeah mm. it's, it's it's hard but so that so the HRT and the coil have they controlled all of that? yes yeah absolutely so as I said I started on one pump a day four years ago and then at my yearly check-in we check in to see how it's going we do a symptom checker to see what's going on. And as I said, my last checkup was the end of January this year. So I'm at four pumps a day, two in the morning and two in the evening. And that's working. Now, I do a lot of alternative work as well. Um, I take oil of evening primrose. I take uh, a supplement. And um, and I've actually started taking a really great new supplement recently, actually, um, which it really seems to have helped with all the symptoms. It's, I won't lie, it's kind of a wonder product, but it's been great. Um, and I do take an iron supplement as well because I'm vegetarian, kind of flexi vegan. And I've noticed that my iron levels have dropped a lot over the last two years. Right. Yeah. Goodness. So you're, you're 
you're sort of attacking it on all levels. Yeah, well, I feel you have to. I've always felt I did a lot of education, educating myself, um, yeah. you know, over the last couple of years. And I think there's a place for both of them. So I wouldn't be without my HRT. I wouldn't be without, you know, the coil is in there. If I have to take something, I take it. But I've also, I, I've started doing meditation. I was introduced to a wonderful person who still I go to. I'm at the moment, I'm going to every two weeks, but she's somebody that I would go to when I really feel stressed and she gets me rebalanced. So she works on the hol- holistic side of things. Um, I use a, a meditation app going to bed. I've started journaling recently as well and doing gratitude journaling, which if you'd have said to me 10 years ago, I'd have laughed in your face. <laughs> but it is about, it's it's about that kind of full-on approach for everything, I think. So yeah. for me, that works and it it does. And I, and I have tools now and levers that I can pull when I do feel that maybe the symptoms are sort of escalating or I'm in periods of high stress, I work in quite a stressful job. So you do need to have tools at your disposal that you can pull when you need to. Yeah, and I think what what you're doing, because you're so proactive about it, you're empowering yourself. And mm. once you're doing something about something, I think you feel stronger because you're taking action and not just letting things happen. I think, that's- And that's, that's a big thing in menopause yeah. too, because you, so much of it is out of your control. Yeah. You do need to have a little kind of an arsenal in your toolbox that you can say, well, you know, on days. And then also know the days and you just need to take a day to yourself. I'll often say to my husband, you know, I'm going to have a lazy day today. I might sit and binge watch Netflix or, you know, have that late morning in bed, you know, something that you wouldn't normally do. Or, you know, walking has been a savior. I love the walking. I can't stress that enough. It's great for the mental health. Listen to a podcast or even the other day, I forgot my ear, my ear pod. So I went out and listened to the birds and what was going on. And that is, that's also a great thing. So knowing what you have at your disposal can help you a lot, you know? Yes. And, and not feeling guilty about taking yes, that sort of exactly. you know, lazy day, because I think we as women are very bad at feeling oh God, guilty yeah. if we take time for ourselves. So true. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are just, you, you, you do have this sense of, God, I should be doing something or there's bathrooms that need to be cleaned or, you know, I need to hoover or there's ironing that needs to be done. But, you know, some days you just have to say, no, today I'm just, it doesn't happen often, but be kind to yourself that when it does, you say, right, enough is enough. Today is just a a do nothing day and look after my health and my well-being. Yeah, exactly. Just let it all go and look after you. Exactly. Yeah. But so it sounds like you've, you know, you've got um, the knowledge and have, um, taken proactive action in in general in Ireland. What is it like having finding access to um, someone like you? You've got a gynecologist. Yeah. Is, is that is it quite easy to access people? Get the knowledge. It's getting better. We're certainly streets ahead of where we were when I went into my early forties. I was, as I said from the outset, I've been very lucky that I had a great GP. And I got referred on to the gynecologist that I use now because she's so, so progressive. And actually, as it happens, I'm part of a fitness wellness group that I joined to try and make the menopause weight is a whole other podcast. Um, (laughs) But I'm trying to get that under control at the moment now. And the one thing you can only do is focus on one thing at once. So I actually kind of didn't worry about my weight for the last few months while I dealt with, you know, a lot of stuff that was going on in my health and well-being. So she did an online talk for anybody who wanted to join last night and it was actually she's based in the UK but she works between the UK and Ireland she's a lot of clients across the two and it's shocking to say that if they reckon it can take on average a woman 10 GP visits before she gets diagnosed as being in perimenopause which is astounding Mm. so I think I'm one of the lucky ones that I had a very progressive GP and a very progressive consultant um 
uh, and they helped me get to where I need to be an awful lot faster. But there is, we are better. There's a lot more specialist menopause clinics in Dublin and in Ireland at the moment, which is phenomenal because it, it's not just a general practitioner. It ha- they have to have that specialist knowledge. They have to have that. And, you know, getting somewhere where they will listen to the women and understand and believe them and not just want to prescribe antidepressants, which is often what happens. So we are way better than we were eight years ago, but I still think we have a way to go. I think there should be more resources. And I think the next phase for me for menopause is really, it's getting more public and getting more out there, but I think educating people who are not in menopause, whether it be males, females, you know, support for families, et cetera. Because I know my husband went on a big journey with me learning about menopause and trying to understand and help me. So I think we've, we're, we're on a journey. I think we're much better than we were. There's a lot more resources, but it's still there's a way to go. Yeah. Um, and that's the story, I think, in every country. It's starting mm. to, to happen. But it, it's just so difficult, isn't it, that women, they go to a doctor in a time yeah. of need and yeah. uh, aren't listened to, or oh, women's issues, or it's in your head, or yeah. you're depressed. And, and yeah. you know you're not, you're, but you, you just can't get anyone to listen to you. And, and yeah. what was the figure you said that on average, how many people? 10 visits to a GP before yeah. they get a diagnosis of perimenopause. 10 yeah. visits. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, even one is too many, isn't it? If you have to mm. go to get a, a second opinion. I mean, I've, the, the women I've spoken to, it's, you know, it's a common theme. It's not being listened to. And, and then yeah. sometimes having to go private to find yes. someone who will listen again, which is, you know, not everyone can do that. So it's, it's difficult. But and that's actually, that's really critical. You've mentioned it there, Annie, and I should have said that as well, is that I've always been very lucky and I'm blessed that I'm in a position that I can go private. And, you know, there is menopause clinics now starting to come up. They're more prevalent than they were, but they're not cheap, you know? Yeah. And that can put a lot of people off too. I think that needs to be the next progression too, is making it more accessible financially for women to go to, um, to specialist menopause care without having to stump up 80 or 100 euros for each visit because that's also something that some people may not be able to do yeah and 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 then what happens so it has to be accessible to everyone to everyone yeah so hopefully we'll we'll be heading in that direction that's it yeah but it's it's it seems to be heading in that direction but let's just say it continues and I think the more women talk about it and get motivated and I think you know you said uh, educating everyone I think what yeah. what my aim also would be is for women in their 30s to listen to this yes. so they have the knowledge because we didn't you know we didn't know really what perimenopause was it's almost a new word to me over the last eight years I think that's it yeah exactly yeah. and as you said like even when I started the symptoms people would have said to me sure you're too young to be in menopause sure you don't go into menopause until you're in your 50s yes. so perimenopause was this new phenomenon and I do agree I think at times people thought it was just a kind of a a buzzword I'm in perimenopause and you know my sister's four and a half years younger than me and she was starting to get a few different issues and what have you and I said you know I think she's 44 now this year but a couple of years ago she said there's no way I could be in perimenopause I said absolutely you could be I said you might be in the very early stages of it but it could be starting for you so start watching out for your symptoms and you know she put her name down to to get on the list with the consultant that I'm using I said unfortunately it's just as a long list but um it is it's getting people and women in their 30s to say start watching out for this it it can happen at any age you know at a certain point in your time exactly and if you've got the knowledge then you've you've got the power and you can do something about it yeah exactly yeah 
And 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 now you you work in HR. I do. And are you um, is the company you're working for? Are you involved in any policies? Has that reached Ireland yet in terms of um, companies adjusting their policies for women who are you know going through menopause? So I haven't seen any policies in such a prescriptive format. Um, yeah. And certainly with my, you know, I'd have friends who are in HR in different companies. They ha- I don't think anywhere, and I stand to be corrected because obviously I don't know every company, but anybody yeah. I've been speaking to hasn't gone to menopause policies. But I think we are getting more open about speaking about it. Um, I, I'm very open. I have no problem talking about it. Um, I like to talk about it. Um, and you know, I, I sat in part of what we call a WinSTEM group, which is women in, you know, science, technology, engineering, and, um, maths, because I work in an engineering based company at the moment, which is very male dominated, but we have, we're trying to encourage more women into the workplace. So, you know, what we've started doing is during, you know, certain periods or certain well-being weeks and, uh, we, we've brought in a couple of menopause speakers. We have uh, recordings. We send round things like podcast links for uh, people to listen to, etc. And actually, we've had quite a high percentage of the men in the company have attended, which is really, really good. Oh, so I think it is getting more prevalent. Um, I think there's a long way to go. Um, because, I, you know, I know from being, you know, I'm working quite a senior role and have done for the last number of years. And you don't want to come across like, it's sometimes you just need to burst into tears and I was never I would never I'm an emotional person but if I had to have a little cry or I had to have a little you know a a little mini episode I'd always take myself off out of the office it would never happen in the office but in the last couple of years from time to time if things get overwhelming it can come without you even realizing it so I think women need to have that we need to be a little bit more progressive to accept that you know that doesn't make her weak it doesn't make her any worse at her job it just means today she's having a bad day and we need to give women the space to be able to do that. So I think we've a little bit, we've a good bit more work to do in the workplace, I think. Yeah, and I, certainly from some of the women I've spoken to, like some have left work because they yeah. felt they were unable to deal with the stress of a high profile yes. job, going through the brain fog, the forgetfulness, the just the anger and being able to hold down a job. And that's Really to sit sad. in a meeting and somebody asks you for your opinion and something that you know inside out that you've been doing for years and you just look at them and the words leave your brain and you're just sitting there going, I actually can't think, I can't come up with the words to say. I don't know. It does. It can really knock your confidence. Um, and as I said, I work in a very male orientated environment. So to be sitting around a table of men is even worse so the, yeah. there we need it, it really is more about educating people educating our co-workers male or female that you know this is happening it doesn't make you, you it's, it's not related to your performance and work you know it's that these things are going to happen and we all have to work together to work through them so it is it can, I can understand how people can walk away from a job because of it you know so we've we still have a good bit of work to do in our workplaces over here yeah, and I think also um, just from the conversations I've had, it's also about looking at a woman of a certain age and if her performance yeah. changes mm-hmm. just out of character for her yeah. to be maybe have a chat and be understanding and see if there's anything you can do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that is just taking the extra half an hour at lunch or saying to somebody, do you know what, work from home today, stay out of the office, you know, take your time. Um, take that you know take an impromptu half day go for your walk 
I think that's the thing. There's a lot of little things we can do in the workplace that don't even need to be in policies or that type of thing. It just needs to be more open and more discussed. And I do think with women as well, we have a tendency not to want to seem weak. Yeah. That we don't want to show that this is happening and that we are, you know, we're going to look like we can't do our job or we're less of a person because of this, you know, because sometimes the tears just come and you can't stop them. I've tried so hard, you know, sitting in the bathroom some days and you just think, I I actually don't even know what I'm crying for anymore, but I can't stop the tears from coming. So people need to feel that they have the space to do that, you know? Yeah. And I I think as women, we also are very... um, plagued by imposter syndrome Mm. and I think when this happens it's almost like ah I knew I was right yeah I know I was laughing with somebody the other day about menopause we were chatting about it they said you know what if men had this they'd walk into a room they'd have their breakdown or their emotional outbursts or whatever (laughs) and then they tell you just to deal with it and move on because like their attitude would be so what I've got menopause it's your problem if you don't understand it and walk out with that level of confidence whereas we take it personally and we walk out and go oh my god they're going to think I'm weak or I can't do my job or I'm this or I'm that and we're apologizing constantly for it you know so we do need to take a little bit of a different approach approach I think you know yes and, and own it I think that's possibly yeah. the, the best strategy is to say look and, and up be everyone be up front and own it and this is me exactly exactly yeah. if yeah. you don't like it well that's your problem not mine yeah, yeah. no I mean the, the thing that I've always chuckled about is it's called menopause what are men doing in our <laughs> in this stage of our life that so true <laughs> so true yeah anyway but and is there anything else you think you'd like to share with the listeners just in terms of what you wish you'd known um look as I said I I consider myself I won't say lucky (laughs) sounds like a bizarre phrase to make considering that menopause journey can be so so tough but I had great people around me you know as I said I I was lucky in that I had great support from um, a um, doctor's perspective consultant's perspective you know, I was introduced to some really good people. So my advice would be is is as soon as you feel there's something wrong is go and get help. Talk to somebody, read up about what you do. Last night, again, on the, the seminar I was on, she said, there's a checklist. You go to a million websites and that you can print off these menopause checklists. Check your symptoms. Even if it's only happened once, check it off, bring it to your doctor. And her advice was don't take no for an answer. You bring your symptom checklist to your doctor and you say, I'm in Mary perimenopause what are we going to do about it? Then do as much research as you can. There are some great, there's so much, you know, more out there now. There's fantastic people. Follow them on Instagram. Reach out, ask for the help, look for the support um, and educate yourself. And, and if your doctor isn't listening to you, find another GP or find another specialist. Don't wait. That would be my advice because hearing that people have to go to a GP 10 times is just not acceptable. Just if you're not happy, you find another resource if you can, if it's possible, get yourself to somewhere else or a specialist that can that can really help you. So arm yourself with the information. Be confident that you know your body best and don't be afraid to ask for help. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great advice, Jan. Thank you. Well, that was really wonderful talking to you. And I think just, you know, the, the, the wonderfully candid way you talk about it, I think will really help other people who are, you know, starting to go through that process and not knowing what to do. Well, you do. And there, ha- there can't be any shame about it. Like, I, I'm lucky that I'm quite confident about talking about it now. And I laugh about it. And, you know, even my daughter, who's 11, she knows I'm going through menopause. She talks about it openly. I'm very open about it. And one day I was standing in the kitchen a couple of weeks ago and I was standing with the fridge behind me. And I said, will you get me something from the 
and I was pointing at it and I was clicking my fingers and she looked and she goes, oh, mommy's menopause brain again. She says, mom, that's the fridge. <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? Hey, get used to it because we're all going to go through this at some point. And yes, sometimes words leave my brain or I make up different words <laughs> when I can't think of it. And she thinks it's hilarious, but we're very open about it because I think it's important that she knows about it too, because she's going to have people in her life other than me who are suffering from it, you know, like she's going to have teachers and she's going to have instructors and they're going to have good days and bad days. So they need to know from an early age that, you know, hey, this is happening. This is a part of life and we're not embarrassed about it, to talk about it. And I would be, it will help her encourage her. She's going to start on her journey soon when she gets her first period. And, you know, she's, she's embarking on kind of puberty now. I can see the changes in her. So she needs to know that this house is a safe space to talk about things like that. And I always want her to feel like that, you know, even when I do continually forget words. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think what's lovely is there's the humor in it as well. It's to, Absolutely. You know, yeah, we yeah. laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And that's good. And she's learning, but there's humor. And then if you've got humor, you can cope with anything. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, that was lovely, Jan. Thank you so much for joining us on Menopause Buddies. No, delighted. And look, as I always say, if me just being open and honest about it helps one person, I'm really happy to do that anytime. Exactly. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you for the time. It's great to chat today, Annie. Yeah, great, Jan. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Have a good day. Bye-bye. I really enjoyed that conversation with Jan. She talked about the menopause in such an open and honest way. And that's really the way I guess we should all talk about menopause because it is something that we need to be open and honest about. And let's not hide it anymore or, or whisper. Let's shout it from the rooftops. And it's just a natural part of life. If you'd like to be on Menopause Buddies, email me at annie at menopausebuddies.co.uk. Annie.